one. Glory to your name. Just reach over to your neighbor and say, there's no one like him. There's no one like him. Amen. Amen. We want to we thank our young adult worship team this morning. Amen. They exited the stage too quick, but that's okay. James and, and the group, we want to thank you all so much for lending your talents and gifts to the Lord this morning. Amen. I just wish I still had that type of energy. <laughs> just a little bit of it, not too much, just a little bit. But uh, we just thank them for just bringing the, the presence of the Lord into the house, ushering in the sweet spirit of our loving Lord this morning. Amen. You may be seated at this time. God bless you. We want to welcome all of our visitors that are in the house and our visitors that are online and our just welcome to everyone but if you're visiting the house for the first time this morning if you would just lift your hand up amen hallelujah hallelujah amen amen we thank you so much for being here for choosing restoration as your place to receive the word of the lord this morning amen we don't take it lightly that you have chose us to worship with this morning your presence means everything and we just ask that you feel free to just worship the Lord this morning with us. Amen? Amen. How is everyone doing this morning? Amen. Amen. It's good to see your faces this morning. God has truly been good. Amen. I know that there are testimonies out there. I know that there are praise reports out there. God has just been good. Even in the midst of all that we have to deal with in this world, all that we have to deal with on our jobs and on just all the complexities that come forth for throughout the day, throughout the news, that we can still say God is in control. Amen? He is still in control and He loves us so, so much. So we just welcome in His Spirit this morning, welcome His presence in, knowing that, you know, we might not be able to, to, to do anything about some of the situations, but we can always pray. Amen? We can always cover, we can always stand in agreement and say that our God will supply, our God will heal, our God will do all that he's called us to do. So we just praise God this morning. Amen. Amen. Oh, God is good. Amen. Amen. I got some good news yesterday. Um, everybody knows my, well, not everybody, but my sister's situation. Uh, the, the verdict came in and she was found not guilty on all cases. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, bless you. Bless you. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes, sometimes God just, just has us wait. I, I can't understand why it took 12 years to get to this, but it's here. Amen. So we thank God. Hallelujah. Amen. And just pray for her this week as they decide on the amount of money we're asking for a million trillion. Amen. <laughs> If that, if that happens, she's going to hook restoration up. Amen. <laughs> but we just thank God for that. And just so many praise reports um, that are out there. But just wanted to share that with you as you all have just been so diligently praying for her and this uh, situation. So amen. Amen. We are going to go into the word of God. Let me just pray. Father God, Lord, we worship you, Father. We thank you, Father God, for answered prayers, God. And we know, Father God, that many other prayers that have been lingering, Father God, many other trials, many other situations that have just been waiting in the wings for your, for your answers, Father God, for your healing, for your, for your restoration, Father God, for your vindication, God, that you are doing that, Lord. 
Hallelujah. And it is as for us as Christians, Father God, to keep our faith strong, to keep our hope strong, to stand in obedience, knowing, God, that you will answer that prayer. So we thank you this morning, Father God, for answered prayers, Father God, even for those that are amongst us that are going through diverse situations, through sickness, through illness, through chemo, Father God, just through a lot of pains and a lot of situations. Father God, that when we give us give you our yes, Lord, when we totally surrender to you, Father God, it opens up a portal. It opens up a pathway for your spirit to come in, Father God, and to begin alleviate our doubt, alleviate our concern, alleviate our anxiety, alleviate our worries, Father God. So, Father God, let us turn our hearts towards you, Lord. Let us turn our hearts towards Calvary and what was done on that cross to know, to truly understand and know that Jesus paid it all, amen. For every sin that we've committed and will commit, you've paid it all, God. And we thank you in the mighty, mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen, hallelujah. Let's just give him a hand of praise this morning. Amen, amen. We are talking about the road to Calvary. We've been in a series um, entitled The Road to Calvary. Uh, and uh, as I had said, Pastor and I had been work, had, had uh, spoken on this word a few years back, and the Lord just brought it back into my uh, remembrance uh, as we are entering into this Easter season so that we can really understand what Calvary was about, what the cross was about. As Christians, we just uh, can take it for granted, or we'll just hear the story and believe, you know, believe what we've heard. But there's so much underlining uh, uh, goodness to to that trip to Calvary, to the to the road to the cross. And we just thank God that uh, His Word is is here for us to to just glimpse back at, to just open up and look at it again, and just understand and get deeper revelation of what Christ did for us, for our sins. It's not just about him coming and, and being the sacrificial lamb, amen, but it's about the eternal life that was offered, amen. So we're going to look today at the difference between the Old Testament sacrifices and the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Because in the Old Testament, they would sacrifice an animal uh, as a blood offering to cover our sins. But in the New Testament, Jesus comes and offers himself, sheds his blood. So when you look at that, that right there ought to make you shout that the sin offering in the Old Testament was to cover your sins and forgiveness, but, the, but the, the precious blood of Jesus not only washes away your sins, but it extends it by giving us eternal life. Amen. So that's, that's something to shout about this morning, is that we have, as Christians, as for those of us who have believed, that we have an eternal life. Amen. That when we leave this world, we will be in the presence of the Almighty God. So I'm excited about that this morning. We are going to start, if you would stand, our, our scripture passage will be Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8, and just pulling out scriptures that pertain to what Christ did and what the cross really means. So in Philippians 2, 5 and 8, it says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did, not think of, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. 
Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. When he humbled himself in obedience to God he, and died a criminal's death on the cross. When he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. This morning, we're going to talk about the Christ of the cross. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. We won't get till Philippians 2, 5, 3, 8, till the end of us, I want to build up to that, but till the end of the sermon. But just hold on to that, that he humbled himself in obedience to God. Do you understand what that is saying? Amen. That Christ himself humbled himself in obedience. So what is our problem? What is our problem? Why can't we humble ourselves? Why can't we be obedient to what God has called us to do, to be, and to become. We carry the Holy Spirit within us. We carry the Christ within us, and yet we struggle with humbleness. We struggle with obedience. And, and Christ came and manifested himself in the form of a human to show us just how it can be done. So as I've been uh, uh, speaking about uh, the cross, we were talking about uh, the, the, the correlation between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we saw last week in Genesis where uh, after Adam and Eve, Eve had sinned, that the Lord had taken, uh, uh, killed a, a, a ram, a goat, an animal, um, and covered them, covered, covered them uh, with, before, because of their sins, and he covered them because now they were aware that they were naked. They were, there so much enlightenment came, in, came through their disobedience and God came and he covered them instead of, you know, like when we get in, into a, a fight with somebody or someone does this wrong, we, we, the very last thing we probably do is cover their sin, amen, or cover their offense to us. Um, and so there's this, this word uh, that we're going to look at and it is um, called the atonement. And atoning, uh, atoning actually just means, it means that Paying the price, amen, atoning and paying the price for a sin, um, it really requires a special, a very special sacrifice. And so when Adam and Eve uh, had sinned, God took the animal, he, he killed, it, uh, killed, the, killed an animal and covered them from their sin as, as just a sacrifice, the blood shed for, for over their sin. So Atonement is a process by which two people, two uh, uh, parties uh, come into disagreement or, or are in disagreement and they come into an agreement. They atone for each other. They atone uh, and they, they, otherwise they just squash it as the young kids would say. Maybe they don't even say that word anymore, but they squash, they squash the issue. They put it away. They, they, they put it to the side. They forgive each other. So when Adam and Eve sinned, that is what God did. Uh, he atoned for them. In Genesis 3.21, it says, And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. He covered them. So with that, that nuance, we see that when sin occurred, that the response of God was that they need to be covered. Their nakedness needs to be covered. Their sin needs to be covered. It needs to be washed by, uh, by, by blood. And so in the atonement process, God covers and God 
God provided a way to cover their sins. God atones to this day for all our sins. Amen? The cross proves that he, uh, he has atoned for our sins. And when we look at, at Genesis 3.15... We see where God had promised to atone for our sins, and we read that last week through the seed of a woman. When, when, he, uh, when he was talking with Adam and Eve, he said to the woman, through your seed, I will, I will bring, uh, it will be through your seed that I will manifest a, a sacrifice. That's, a, that's just a prophecy. That's the first prophecy that we hear of the Christ coming into this earth. And he says that he will bruise your head, but you shall bruise his heel. And so we saw last week through the descendants of the woman, we talk about the Israelites, we talk about Abraham, we talk about the tribe of Judah. See, the Old Testament really is about the Christ child coming. It's just giving you the background, his family history, um, the line in which he would come through. And so we see this lineage of, of the Christ child, and we hear these prophecies about the, the Christ child coming, to, coming. And they thought in the Old Testament that it would happen in their time, but it did not. But in the New Testament, we see that that prophecy comes to, fulfill, to fulfillment. So it was through the descendants of a woman that God would make atonement for, us, for our sins and restore the relationship between God and human. So prior to the entrance of um, the Christ child, we can look at the Old Testament, um, and it talks about the sacrifice, sacrificial system of atonement that consists of symbols and the blood of animals, uh, meaning whenever uh, there was a sin or an offense committed, um, the concept of, of atonement was covering the sins in the Old Testament. They took that same concept that was presented in the garden when uh, God killed the ram or the, killed the animal and covered the sins of Adam and Eve. So it's, it's, it's the same thing that is, um, that was the Old Testament system um, until the seed of the woman was was came to fruition in earth, they would use sacrifices um, for the sins. They would sacrifice a lamb, a goat, or some type of animal uh, that would, would uh, cover the sins of, of them. So in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for atone, kafar, um, conveys the ideal of, of covering, covering both in the sense of covering to hide and also covering up for someone, not charging someone with an offense or penalty. So this atonement for sin was made by sacrificing an unblemished animal. And so, you know, just, it, just when we look at our lives today and when we've offended someone or an offense has happened to us or, or some gravity has happened and we've sinned and, and not handled it as Christians, um, in the Old Testament, they would go, to, go before the priest and they would bring a lamb or some type of animal to uh, offer for forgiveness of our sins. Um, and, you know, if, if we were in, <laughs> if that system was still in place, wow, we would be in trouble. <laughs> First of all, you know, a cow ain't cheap. You know, it wasn't like, can I go to the store and just buy a leg, you know, buy, buy a piece and I'll, I'll take, you know, the rose. No, you had to buy the entire, you had to buy the entire animal. And so, what they had to do, it was a big, it was a serious ritual. It was a costly ritual, but there were provisions for those that did not, could not afford it. 
And when you get home, um, if you really want to dive into it, read um, Leviticus uh, chapters 4 through 6, um, and it'll give you a real good understanding of, of, the, of what atonement means um, and, the, and, the, and the, the sacrificial system that was set up. So I'll just briefly talk about Leviticus 4, descri- four through 6, six the, the describes the making of a sin and a guilt offering. So see, in the Old Testament, it was more than one offering that, that had to be done. So there was the sin offering and there was the guilt offering um, where an unblemished animal was presented and killed. Then its blood was sprinkled or smeared on the altar and the fat of the animal was removed and burned atop of, on top of the altar. When the nation of Israel or a priest was found guilty, the sin, the sacrifice must be a bull. Individuals could offer a lamb or a goat, or the poor could offer two small birds. But the stipulations for guilt offering are similar, but include a restitution paid by the guilty party for their crime. While the two modes of offering are distinct, from one another, the terms sin and guilt are used interchangeably throughout the Levitical, uh, throughout Leviticus. So what, what would happen was when, when, when someone came, they would have to bring an uh, unblemished animal before the Lord, before the, before the altar, before the priest. And the priest would do the sacrificial ceremony by preparing it, sprinkling the blood, taking the ashes, pouring it over the one who was offering it to cleanse them of their guilt, to cleanse them of their sin, to make an atonement for them. And so this went on uh, throughout, if you read throughout the scriptures, you see where you see these, these blood sacrifices. And we, we talk about, uh, which is getting ready to happen, the Passover and all the things that they had to do in the Old Testament for the atonement of their sins. And so on the day of atonement, and it's, it's talked about in Leviticus 16, it was a much more complex ceremony. There were special priestly garments that had to be worn. There were five sacrificial animals, one bull, two goats, and two rams, incense and the, and the purification of the holy place. So after the bull had been killed to atone for the sins of the priests, Lots were cast over two goats, and one of the goats was killed, and his blood was sprinkled up on the altar to, to purify the holy place. And then the people would confess their sins over that. And the second goat, they would take the sins of the people, just, and they would place it on the goat, and they would release the goat back out into the wild. The scapegoat, the one that would, would, would they would release the sins back into the wilderness, and that they would, um, he would carry them away from them. So the two rounds were then presented as a guilt offering for the priest and the people, and the fat of the bull and the slain goat was burned on the altar to conclude the ceremony. That's a lot of... Um, it's a pretty elaborate system that took place to uh, cleanse us of our, to cleanse them of their sins, and it and it talks, it speaks of the gravity uh, and and the process that you had to go through in the Old Testament. So the people's participation in the ceremony speaks uh, in the in a. A profound way of the dynamic it meant to have covenantal 
to regain covenantal relationships between God and uh, the people of Israel and the and importance of the sacrifice. So there's a lot that was going on in the New in the Old Testament. Like I said, we, we, you know, we, we need to thank God today that we don't have to go through that process, amen? Because first of all, we would all be vegans. <laughs> there would not be an animal on this earth <laughs> because we would be, it would just be a slaughterhouse up, up in here, amen? <laughs> Me included. It would be a slaughterhouse up in here uh, as we would bring our sins, as we would bring our offerings to God. And so we thank God that, that, that uh, the blood of Jesus, the coming of the Christ, really uh, put a seal on the Old Testament, amen? Because I can just imagine, you know, I, I think differently, and I was just laughing like, man, you know, it would be like, you know, a constant barbecue going on, you know, and people coming in, you know, we like us some barbecue. Man, let me have a piece of that. Let me, you know, we would be taking off the altar, taking the meat off the altar, and, you know, man, it's all good. God, you, God got you. You know, just the things that they had to do, and you just can't imagine the expense that it cost, it cost them. But God made provision. You know, when I look at the Catholic Church, one of the, the the richest organizations in the world that they that they actually you have to when you come to confess your sins to the priest you have to you bring a, a a monetary gift amen to ask for forgiveness that's why that church is so rich i was like we should maybe implement that here <laughs> That, you know, for every, every time you sinned, you'd have to, to bring a, a sacrificial offering and ask uh, the priest to step in for you and to forgive you of your sins. Uh, but we thank God, amen, for the New Testament. Amen. So this, this, that was before Christ. Amen. Uh, that was BC. That was before Christ. But now let's, let's turn over to the New Testament. Um, and where we will see that there's a switch between the Old Testament sacrificial system and the New Testament. While the concept of atonement is the central and most important part to the New Testament, the word itself is never used. You will not see the word atonement in the New Testament. The Greek term that comes closest uh, to that is the word ex expiate to expedite, to atone for. It means to atone for, to make amends or, rep or repartation or, for t or to look over one's crimes. And then there's propitiate uh, was another term that used, and it means to make favorable, to appease, or to consolate. And you can look in Romans 3 and 25 and Hebrews 2 and 17. In Romans 3 and 25, the, the passage, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom put forward appropriation by his blood to, re, to be received by faith. So Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice for sinners to be received by our faith. So when we read these verses and really look into them, we begin, you know, I begin to just realize um, what Christ did for us and all that he sacrificed for us, that we all have sinned against God, but we've, we've rebelled, we've argued, we've, we've gone astray, we've, we've doubted God, yet the cross of salvation is offered through the shed blood of Jesus, who is the fulfillment of the prophecy spoken in Genesis 3 and 15, that we can be justified 
by God, back to God, and be justified before God. Because God declared us innocent before himself. So when you look at that passage of scripture and you really get to start digging in it, that Jesus, that God himself in the Garden of Eden, he knew Adam and Eve were going to mess up. It, wasn't, it was not a shock to him. He knew that, you know, that they would fall. And God is just omnipresent, omniscient. He's all-knowing. Uh, and before the fall, he had already had a plan, amen, to redeem us of, of our sins, to redeem us uh, and reconcile us back to himself. You see, the enemy came in to destroy the relationship to destroy that love that God had for his creation, to destroy everything that God had preserved for us, for us to be fruitful, for us to multiply, for us to build this earth into a place of, of a, to a heaven on earth. And he was so jealous of that. And when he came into the garden, he came in to just disrupt God's plan and to, to, to make man fall and to trip man up. But in all of that, amen, he was all, God was already, on the cross. He was already thinking about the cross. He was always already thinking about you and I who weren't even born yet because God declared us innocent before himself. Amen. Just like in the garden, you know, Adam and Eve, you don't see much conversation of them. You don't even hear them asking for forgiveness, but God declared them innocent before the sin even happened. God had gave them some rules to abide by. God had gave them directions, but they chose to walk in their flesh, and they chose to sin against God. But the moment they sinned, God already said they're innocent. Amen? God says the same thing to us. Every time we sin, every time we go against his word, the blood of Jesus covers us, and he says that we are innocent. Hallelujah, hallelujah. See, God stood as judge. God stood as defender. God stood as the jury before himself, amen, and declared that his creation was innocent, declared that it was good. He declared that that that. The accuser, the prosecutor, the, the, the enemy was not, going to be, uh, was not going to defeat what he had already put into motion. See, forgive it, he forgave all of our sins. And, you know, it really gives you a, a look at the Trinity because, you know, you, you sit there and you say, how is that possible? Because we will process that through our human minds. We will process that. Now, how in the world did God forgive? You know, why would he forgive them for doing this or forgive me for doing that? Especially when our sins are continual. Um, but when you look at the Trinity and you look at the power of the all-supreme God, it just makes you want to just shout and just, just give, it, give it to God. How was it possible that through the redemption, that through Christ's blood, that we would be redeemed? Well, it was possible because of the Trinity. You know, we look at the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Don't look at them separately. Look at them as one. They are one. Amen? So God himself incarnated himself into a man, okay? into the Son of God and presented himself as a sacrificial lamb. No longer would they have to go and, and get a lamb and go through the process of cutting the lamb and 
taking the fat out and sprinkling the mud and smearing it on the altar. But God himself said, I will be the sacrificial lamb for my creation. I will be the sacrificial lamb for what I created. So you can't, you can't trump God. The enemy thought that he could trump God, but you can never trump God. Our salvation was made possible through God himself, through the Christ, through God the Christ. We, we, we ought to be thankful for that. See, what, what, Christ, what, what Christ did for us, God put him forward as appropriation. Amen? He put him, him as the atonement of our sins, which basically means that we should be bearing the judgment, that we should be the ones that were placed on the cross, that we should be the ones paying the penalty for our sins. But God, in his love for us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were out there, while and continue to be out there doing what God has asked us not to do, it's the same scenario in the garden. Don't eat of that tree. Don't, don't get drunk with wine. Don't fornicate. Don't do the sins. Don't do this. Don't, don't steal. Don't lie. Don't cheat. And all day long, what do we do? We steal. We lie. We cheat. We fornicate. We do. We just, you know, it's just like ingrained in us. Like, oh, we just take God's, we take the cross so lightly. We take what God has done for us so lightly. Like, well, I'm, I'm going to make it into heaven, you know. Maybe I might not live in, the, you know, the nice neighborhood. No, it ain't got nothing to do with that. Absolutely nothing. God is looking for your obedience. God is saying that I've created you for more than this. And so as Christians, we've got to learn to, to level up, amen, to, what, to where Jesus was and, and follow the examples that he gave us because forgiveness for God, uh, the redemption of man from God, uh, it just can't be earned. It's not nothing that, you know, you can, you can try and be all righteous and holy and I just can't stand holy people. You know, like, I mean, you know what I mean. I, that, maybe that didn't come out right. But you know, the holier-than-thou people, the ones who claim they don't sin, the ones who are just so, you know, everything is, a, how you doing? And they start speaking in tongues, and you know, everything is just great. Oh, I can't stand people like that, because I'm just like, you're not perfect. There was only Jesus was perfect. But everything is, you know, oh, oh my gosh, oh my, you dance? Oh, that's, oh, oh my God, you know? And I'm just like, everything, I'm just like, really? Like, you know you got some sin in you, so quit playing. But, you know, God is not looking for us to be perfect or to act perfect because none of us are. You can come in here, you can shout from one side of this church to the other. You can speak in tongues. You can do all of those things, those those those. Christian things, those things that, that we proclaim sanctifies us. But if your heart is not right, if you can't love, if you can't forgive, then, then there's a problem. Amen? And so God, he just looks beyond all of that and, and all of, our, our, all of our, our reasoning and our, our ways that we try to get close to him. And all he says is just be obedient. Just love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? Just give me your yes. So our redemption from sin, it just cannot be earned. It's not something that we can earn. It's a free gift. It's a gift from God. Now that is amazing that God would incarnate himself into flesh, walk this earth as a man, go through everything we've gone through. Don't think that, you know, Jesus just walked around and he was just, you know, whoo. 
no, he lived life. He saw rejection. He saw ridicule. He experienced everything that we experienced, he experienced it. But he did not react to it like, you know, we would react. Because let somebody get on our reserve nerve, and it's over. It's just over. You know, we might, we might start off praying, and, you know, Lord, just, you know, God, I love you, and I'm going to turn the other cheek, Lord. And, you know, you know how we do. I know how I do. I'm going to turn the other cheek and, you know, I'm going to be the bigger Christian and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go and I'm going to apologize uh, for anything that I might have done. I don't know if I did anything wrong, but obviously I must have did something wrong, Lord. So let me go and apologize to this person because maybe I was the stumbling block. And we go and we sit and we apologize and that person starts lying, backtracking and everything and you're, all of your religiosity just starts just melting away and you become like you know what I'm gonna snatch these covers off of you I'm gonna expose you at the level that you need to be exposed you know I got the I got the the receipts so I don't know why you're sitting up here trying to act like it wasn't you but God is saying just own up to our stuff own up to it and so our God came amen and he lived a life sinlessly before us and then he walked that road to Calvary he walked that road to Calvary so that he could offer us not only atonement for our sins, but eternal life. I mean, you look at that from the Old Testament, there was atonement for sins, but the New Testament, there's atonement and, the, 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 and salvation for those who believe, for those who accept him. In John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gifted himself to us so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Your salvation is a gift, amen? The forgiveness of your sins is a gift that God presented in himself because he knew that we could not do it on our own. Throughout the beginning of the Old Testament, we see how the Israelites over and over fell in and out of sin, fell in. They were fighting with nations. They were fighting for their rights. They were fighting because they were the chosen ones of God and just how messy and how crazy that situation got. And we're still in the repercussions of that to this day. But God said, I will send a savior. Amen that will come and will rectify all of this. So just think about it. If Christ recti rectified it on the cross, amen, if Christ sealed it, our salvation and our sin on the cross, then what is our problem? What is our problem? You know, I ask myself all that, especially when I'm, I'm blatantly sinning. You know, there's, you know, when I'm blatantly sinning, I'm just like, why are you doing this? Like, you know, then you get the guilt and you oh God, forgive me. And, you know, you go through all of this. And sometimes I just, I just stare before the Lord like, why, Lord, is this so embedded in me? Why can't I kick this habit? Why can't I just do what you've called me to do? You see, sin is, is strong. Sin is enticing. Sin is fun. Sin can be a lot of things. You know, we, we enjoy doing what we do. But if it is not giving God, if it's not glorifying God, that's when we have to look at the cross and understand, how did Jesus do this? How did, how did he live this sinless life? And it's strictly by just being obedient to the Father, listening to the Father, 
hearing the Father's voice, knowing the Father's voice, and walking in the ways of God. So we have to trust in what Jesus did on the cross. And we believe that Jesus paid the price for our sins. And we surrender our lives. We should be surrendering our lives in total dependence to him. For he has saved us from our sins. For him to lead our lives as Lord. This is the essence of the gospel. Amen. In these verses in Romans, it says, I, I, I just want to encourage you today that though you have sinned against God, rebelled against him, done all kind of, of evil manners, if you're a Christian, you've been placed, your, 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 your hope, your foundation is placed in Christ, and you are justified by God's grace. Amen? We are justified by his grace. So this great gift is greater than any gift that could ever be given. It is, it is humanly impossible for us to save ourselves, for us to justify ourselves. We get the pattern. We get, we get the knowledge of it that this is, how Jesus, this is how Jesus walked this earth. When you read through the parables and you read through the scriptures and you see how they accused him and how, how they were always on his case about everything he did is because they could find no fault in him. And so they were just looking for something that they could find, that they could, that, that they could grasp onto to deny that he was the Christ, that he was the Son of God. And so what really uh, caused Christ's death and caused him to go to the cross was a mere fact that he, when he began to reveal who he was, when he began to, to speak and let people know, I am the Christ, I am he, I, I am the resurrection, I am the seed, I'm the promised seed that was spoken of in Genesis, I'm the promised seed that was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, I am he. They lost their minds because you have these religious, pious Pharisees who just, you know, all they did was study the law and they couldn't understand how a, a, a child, how a man that, that grew up, amen, that was birthed in a, in a lowly manger, how in the world is this the Christ? How in the world is this God? They, they just had no concept of it. So when we look at Hebrews 24, verses 2, or Hebrews 24, Hebrews 2, verses 17, it says, Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, and I'm reading from the NLT, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. He had to enter every detail of human life. Then when he presented himself before God as a high priest to get rid of the people's sin, he would have already experienced it for himself. The pain, the testing, the pain and the testing so he would be able to help where help was needed. And that's why, why Jesus came into this earth, to present himself as the perfect sacrifice to redeem us from our sins, that he had to come in and be all of man, amen, and all of God. He carried all of his deity and all of human form, and he was able to walk through it, amen, because he kept in contact with his father, that he knew what his, what, what his role was 
to take the, key, the keys of death out of the enemy's hands, to give us eternal life, to put us back on track to what God had purposed for us. So God no longer rejects man from his fellowship, but he has appeased him by the blood of Christ. He made appropriation means more, the word appropriation here means more than make an atonement. God didn't make an atonement for us. He didn't just cover our sins. Amen, I've said this already. He didn't cover our sins, but he completely moved them. Amen. Jesus took our, our sins away on that cross. And as we're talking about it, we're walking this road to Calvary, we've got to understand this principle that Jesus the Christ took away my sins. God completely resolved all the sin that I would ever commit. And when you think about that, that ought to make you say, you know what, God, if you can do that for me, I can begin working on myself. I can begin, you know, working on my issues, working on my tongue, working on my flesh, working on, on my lustful desires. I can, I can at least allow your spirit to engage the God within me, engage the spirit within me to help me to start walking a sanctified life. So in the New Testament, um, the Hebraic understanding of atonement was to simply cover. They were covering the sins, but in the, in, in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, God washes away our sins. So what I, want, what I really want us to see today is that Christ, that the cross that Christ bore, it really is for us. It was the mistakes that we made that cover us. It was the mistakes that we will continue to make that have been covered by the cross um, and the salvation that, that we get. So in Hebrews 9 and 13, it speaks of uh, the blood of the bulls, amen? It talks about, and I'm going to read it for you real quick. It's Hebrews 9, verse 13 to 14. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of heifers sanctify for the, for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the internal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our consciences and, and from dead works to serve the living God. That is such a powerful, powerful, powerful statement that, that we no longer have to sprinkle the blood of bulls because Christ used his, gave himself sacrificially at, 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 at allowed his body allowed himself to be killed. It's like God killed himself. God said, you know what? There's no one on earth that can do this. There's no man on earth, no, no deity that can do this but myself. I am the creator. I am the, the, the maker of heaven and earth. Man is my design. Man is my heart. Man is my love. And because I love them so much, even though they messed up, I'm going to incarnate myself, and I am going to be the one to redeem them because nothing outtrumps God. No one, and there's no deity, no nothing on this in this universe that can out outweigh God. He is our Creator. He is our Maker, and so. We get down now into Philippians, uh, and we been, begin to really look at uh, 
the deity of Christ, uh, we really begin to just see what, who is this Christ of the cross? Who is this Christ that came for, for us? So let me just turn over to Philippians real quick. Galatians, Ephesians, Galatians. <laughs> I can't find it. I had it marked. Oh, here we go. That's it. Okay, first and second Corinthians. Okay. Philippians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to look at verses 5 through 8. We're going to read it and read it again. It says, Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who thought he was in the who, who, who though he was in the form God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. The deity, the deity of Christ, the doctrine of the incarnation is just an amazing uh, amazing feat that only the spiritual mind can really grasp a hold of it. We can hear it in our natural thinking, but to understand the incarnation process, you really have to look at it through the Trinity, through the power of God. See, Jesus was the very essence of God. He was God. He was God, the Trinity. He was God, um, yet he was also the very essence of man. Incarnation, and incarnation made him in a physical form, a form that we can relate to. He was the very essence of man, and his external confirmed both his internal dispositions. Like I said, he was fully God, and he was fully man. He looked like a man, he spoke like a man, and he died like a man. But he was God the whole time. If people could understand that the almighty God himself, Yahweh himself, incarnated himself into a man to come and redeem us from our sins. In verses, uh, verses 6 and 8, the word, the very nature of God, that word in the Greek is morphe, and in, the, in our version we get metamorphosis. So we understand that when God was upon that cross, and when God died upon that cross, he was fully God and fully man at the same time. And so today, I want us to really take a look at the cross, amen? Understand that even though God was, was fully God and fully man, that he died upon that cross. Paul says that it was for our very infants, the morphe. You know, we get metamorphosis. We, we hear of the caterpillar, amen, that goes into the cocoon and metamorphosizes itself into a butterfly. That kind of gives you an understanding of what God did. He implanted himself in the seed of a woman. And today we're going to look at this cross, amen. We're going to appreciate what God did for us, that his full deity, God did not consider equality with himself. Why would he? 
Why would he? He was God. He was God all by himself. He didn't have to come down to the earth and, and try to prove who he was. As Christians, we don't have to try and prove anything to ourselves. Our salvation is our salvation. Our belief is our belief. And when we stand in defense of it, we're standing in defense as a witness, as, as, as a appropriation, as an atonement for those who might not understand. You are covered, sister. You are covered by the blood of Jesus, that God loves you. In other words, Christ did not hesitate to set aside himself and, and will his body and will his deity to the cross. He became our sacrificial lamb. Just as in the Old Testament, they would sacrifice an animal. He became, he came down to be the ultimate sacrifice. To take place, to, to abolish the Old Testament law. To show that he loved us so much. He had all the rights of the deity. He had all the rights to call 10,000 angels down. He could have stopped the whole process. But in his, in his, his, uh, in his spirit, in, his, in the, the deity within him was what helped him carry that cross. It's the Holy Spirit that is within us that helps us to become overcomers. Yeah, life can get scary. Life can get ugly. Life can bring all kinds of situations. But it is our God. It is our hope. The Holy Spirit that indwells within us that helps us carry our cross. Amen. See, we all have a cross to bear. We, we look at, 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 at the uh, story of Jesus. We look at the resurrection, the, the death, burial, and resurrection, and we need to put ourselves in that situation. We need to understand that I have a cross to bear, amen? So the things that I'm going through in life, God has already prepared me and gifted me to be an overcomer. So whatever the sin issue, whatever apple you've bitten into, whatever the enemy has deceived you uh, into doing, just know that God paid the price for it. Amen? And look at that cross and see yourself in it. God, I have everything I need to go through. If I've been through whatever situation you've been through, you are the Christ child that will go back and help someone else through that situation. That you have been equipped with all knowledge in this word, all knowledge in your heart through the Holy Spirit, that you can become a sacrifice for someone else, that you can make an atonement or, or, or a propitiation for someone else that you can extend the love of God just like Jesus extended us. See, Christ's humiliation included him making himself as nothing, taking the very form of a man, the very nature of a ser servant, and being made in human likeness. This statement says that I'm God. Now, this is God, y'all. <laughs> this is God incarnated in man, but he enters the world with humility. He enters the world with grace. He enters the world with forgiveness. He enters the world as fully human, but fully God. Fully human and fully God. And he emptied himself. He emptied himself out for us. He emptied himself out so that we could see, we could know, we could understand, that we could get, get a glimpse of what 
heaven looks like, to get a glimpse of how this earth was created for us to be. And so we, don't, we cannot take lightly the cross. We cannot take lightly the death that he, that he came, the sacrifice that he came. See, Christ did not retaliate. Christ did not, not fight back. He retained the very essence of God on his entire earth journey through his incarnation, through, through the 33 years that he walked this earth. He was God the entire time. The word, and the word became flesh in John 1:14. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. God loves us. Amen. God truly, truly loves us. And the reason he became the ultimate sacrifice is because he would not let, he would not allow anyone to come. So he sent himself as an unblemished lamb, the lamb of God. Jesus is always called the lamb of God, the unblemished, perfect lamb of God so that we could have life that we could bear our crosses, that we could look to God and say, Lord, I can do this. I can do this. You see, no one in the Bible was able to do it. No man, Adam couldn't do it. He sinned. David couldn't do it. He committed adultery. Abraham couldn't do it. He tried to, to uh, he lied about uh, Sarah being his wife. No one was able to do it. The only one that was able to do it was that seed that was promised in Genesis 3 and 15, the seed that came through the lineage of the Israelite family. That seed was Jesus the Christ. So today when we look at this cross, when we open up this altar, let us, let us just pray, God, let you, let, let you be seen on that cross. Put yourself there. Put your situations there. Put your... Put your heartaches and all of your burdens on that cross. Because guess what? Easter's coming, amen? <laughs> we can all resurrect from what we've been through. We can all live a life full of grace. But we have to allow ourselves to nail our sins on the cross to become the sacrifice, to become sacrifices for God, to implement, to, to imitate to, not, to be what Jesus was, selfless, loving, kind, understanding. See, our human minds cannot, sometimes we just can't conceive, but God, they really did that. He's like, yeah, I know, they really put me on the cross. They really did that, but I, I forgive them. I forgive them because I know that they just don't understand, and what's in them is perfect. Because when I created them, they were good. They were very good. And that goodness lies within each of us and is for us to accept the sacrificial uh, blood that was shed and for us to accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior so we too can see ourselves on the cross and be an example on our jobs and our homes of what forgiveness looks like learn to cover our brother and sister's sin, offer them the, the, the salvation, offer them the love that surpasses all understanding. 
He is the Christ of the cross. And we ourselves have a cross to bear. Amen. This morning as we open up the altar, as we stand, amen, just in reverence to what God has done for us, that he decided to die just to save us, amen, that his love surpasses our sins, that we appreciate the cross this morning. We get a clear understanding of his journey to the cross, a clear understanding of the Christ of the cross as we go into this Easter season, that we will come out with a better knowledge of what Christ did for us. Hallelujah. This altar is open this morning. We want to invite those of you who don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior that might be struggling uh, with sin issues or just struggling in life, struggling in your mind, just feeling defeated, anxiety, depression, all of these things raging through your heart. God's blood, Jesus' blood covered your sins. You don't have to live life in that state anymore, but you can live life knowing that God loves me. And as you become obedient to him, as you accept him into your heart, he is there for you. If you want to just rededication this morning, saying, God, I just need to get back on track. We are here for you this morning. Amen. If you just need to pray, maybe you're interceding for a friend or a family member who's just going through some things, and you just need the strength of the Holy Spirit to continue on. Come to the altar this morning. For those who are watching online, just put it in the chat. One of our ministers will reach out to you. Just know that God loves you, that God cares for you, that God wants to be with you as you carry your cross here on earth because there's a resurrection that's coming. Hallelujah. There's a resurrection day that's coming for all of us, and we will all be like him in the twinkling of an eye. Father, we thank you for this word this morning. We thank you, Father, that you are the Christ of the cross, Lord. That you are the sacrificial lamb. That you are God himself, Lord, reincarnated into man. Father, you did that to prove your love toward us, God. While we were yet sinners, you died for us, God. For the sins that I will commit within the next hour, you died for, Lord. You covered it, God. So give us a spiritual awareness of the power that is within us, God, that when the thought comes, Lord, that we will snatch it, Father God. When the feeling begins to overtake us, God, that we will remember the cross. We will remember what you did, Father God. That we will turn away from the sin, Lord, and that we will embrace all that we are, the spirit that indwells within us, God. The precious Holy Spirit gives us, Father God, the power to become overcomers. So we pray this morning, God, for healing of our minds, of our souls, of our fleshly appetites, God. Father God, the desires to do the things and eat the, 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 the things that the enemy presented to us. God, that we can now turn to you and say, Father, I just need help. 
Lord, I don't want to, God. And allow your spirit to overtake us. Allow your spirit to make the choice. And as we practice obedience, God, we grow stronger and stronger and more like you. So God, we thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you for bringing yourself, Father God, into this world in human form. We thank you for the Christ of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.